You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Nobody! We're back on The Pipeline Show, final segment of this week's episode, and uh, we're going to stick in the WHL, so that means it's an in-the-dub segment, dubnetwork.ca for all things uh, WHL to stay up to date on uh, all the moves. There's been a rash of trades and uh, guys coming back to the league and everything happening. Uh, you can stay up to date at dubnetwork.ca. And my guest today doesn't uh, write for Dub Network. He writes for the Brandon Sun, and that means Perry Bergson back on the Pipeline Show. Perry, welcome back. How are you? Well, thanks. It's uh, great to be back. I think uh, the first time I was on, the Memorial Cup was in Red Deer. That could be. That's right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a few years ago. That's not the last time I had you on, though, is it? I've no. had you on. No, yeah. okay. but you, you and I sat together and watched some hockey games. That yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right, well, we've been watching some hockey games uh, separately but this year, but uh, WHL action back underway for uh, for a new season, and the uh, the Brandon Weekings are uh, off to, uh, well, how would you describe the start so far for, for Brandon? As you and I are speaking, they're one and three out of the gate. I think underwhelming maybe is the word I would use. I think the expectations were a lot higher this year. You bring in a veteran coach and Dave Lowry, and uh, as you know, you've watched hockey for a lot of years. Your players have to be better every year. You can't ever be static. You have to improve or you're going to get caught from behind. And I think that's one of the issues that Brandon has had in the last couple seasons is that guys are just not getting better each year. Well, I know one of the things with whenever a team has a new coach, I'm always curious to see which way it's going to go. Do they get off to a hot start or do they get off to a slow start? And it seems like, you know, it takes a little while sometimes for player and new team to, to get on the same page. Do you think that has anything to do with it uh, here with Brandon this year? Absolutely, I do. I think that this team, you know, when it went from Kelly McCrimmon to David Anning, it was the same systems. Dave Lowry brings in different systems. Mm. And I'll tell you one thing I've noticed in practices, that he's a very, very patient teacher. And I can't say that I expected that to the degree that it's happening. He, You know, he hasn't been a yeller in practice. Instead, he just stops things calmly explains to guys what he needs from them and is showing them little little tricks and tips. So it's been interesting just standing on the bench taking pictures. I've learned a lot uh, just standing there eavesdropping. Who have been the bright spots uh, thus far in the early season for the Wheaties? Well, I think Luca Burzan was somebody that uh, there were high hopes for this year, and of course he's got three goals and two assists through the first four games this year. He is one of those pieces that came over in the Kale Clegg deal, um, along with Chase Harchie and those two first-round picks and the, and the second-rounder uh, in the 18 draft. Lucas just continued to get better and better, and I think one of the things that we had to see this year that was uncertain was how much of his 40-goal success last year was predicated on playing with Stelio Mateos, who, of course, you know, was an outstanding Western Hockey League player and has now moved on to the AHL. But uh, Burzan certainly has shown this year in the early going that he can create for himself. And this weekend it looks like he'll be skating with Ben McCartney and Ridley Gregg, who are just returning back from suspensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them, McCartney got the one-gamer, Gregg got the three-gamer 21 seconds into the season, <laughs> which isn't quite the start maybe he was looking for. But uh, that should be a pretty dynamic uh, top line for Brandon. I couldn't believe that on opening night. I was looking at the box scores as things were unfolding. And, oh, 21 seconds, we have our first major of the year. And then a three-game suspension. So while the Wheat Kings have played four games, Ridley Gregg's played 21 seconds. Exactly. And, you know, he's going to be their top-line center this year, even at 17 in his draft year. 
so a lot is expected of him. I talked to him after practice today. He's pretty excited to finally start playing because it's like his preseason was extended another two weeks. Well, tell me about Ridley Gregg as a player. As you mentioned, it's his NHL draft year. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He listed at 5'11 and, and just 160 pounds, but you know, 14 goals and 35 points last year as a rookie, not too bad. Uh, what's expected of him this year? You, you, as you mentioned, he's expected to be on the top line, so I would assume that there's expectations he could maybe even double his production from last year. I think the things that we hear about most when they're drafting young players is vision and hockey IQ and then skill, obviously. Uh, speed certainly doesn't hurt. And Ridley Gregg brings all of those. Uh, I was impressed with him as a 16-year-old. Quite often, even really good players get lost a little bit in the league, you probably agree. And he never really did. He, he found his way really quickly. And I think that this year he's probably not out of his depth playing that first-line role with some scores on his two wings in McCartney and Burzan. I think that he's one of those guys that might surprise this year because as that uh, hit on his former teammate Harchie in the opener shows, he's got a lot of sandpaper to his game too for a guy who, as you noted, doesn't have a huge frame. Uh, his dad, a Philadelphia Flyers scout, so he's uh, been around uh, the hockey world for a long time uh, as well. Uh, uh, another guy draft eligible this year, Braden Schneider, who is a big defenseman and and I, I think at early accounts and early uh, uh, rankings would have him pegged as a first-rounder, so expectations, once again, pretty high for him. Yeah, he's one of those interesting cases in that he's a late birthday, so he's actually in his third season in the league. He's just a big, solid defenseman. When I was uh, growing up and then playing rec hockey later, I was a goalie. So I loved a guy like Braden Schneider in front of me just because he, he does bring that uh, physicality, uh, but he makes a good first pass. He can score a little bit uh, from the point. I think he's probably going to see a little more power play time this year than he has in the past. You know, 6'2", 210. He just turned 18. Big, solid frame. Uh, really competitive player. Uh, they actually traded up to get him, uh, I think, in the 2016 draft, right ahead of where Prince Albert was probably going to take the hometown boy. Mm. And he has certainly been everything that Brandon hoped for. Well, this weekend, the Wheat Kings are uh, at home to uh, Vancouver on Friday and uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, on uh, the next night. Um, so they got some teams that are uh, fairly well ranked uh, this year, and, and things are expected of both of those clubs as well. I think Brandon kind of looks at this weekend as somewhat of a measuring stick. Absolutely. And then, you know, you have the third game where you're going into Saskatoon on Sunday afternoon. Oh, so wow. those are three very, very good hockey teams. Brandon plays two three-and-threes this weekend. And boy, oh boy, what a measuring stick weekend it really is. And Dave Lowry said that earlier. You know, he talked about how Brandon missed the playoffs last year and Vancouver was in the league final. Uh, you know, obviously Edmonton makes the Eastern Conference final, uh, plays very, very well. Uh, Saskatoon even, you know, if they get Kirby Dock back, look out. I still think that's a very, very good team, and I expect that they're going to be in the hunt in the uh, Eastern Conference by the end of the season, too. Um, so those are three games that, wow, like, you know, if you lose all three, suddenly you're one and six, and things aren't looking too good, so you want to at least win one or two of those if you're Brandon, I would think. Barry Bergson from the Brandon Sun is my guest here on the Pipeline Show in our In the Dub segment. Uh, now the Wheat Kings... No longer the only team in Manitoba as uh, the Kootenai Ice have relocated to Winnipeg. And in case for those listeners who might have been uh, living under a rock or something and are just coming uh, to uh, uh, to recognize that move, um, I wonder 
what's been the reaction in Winnipeg? And I know you're not there all the time, but you've seen the the uh, the Winnipeg ice uh, three or four times already uh, through preseason and into the regular season. Uh, what sort of an impression are you getting on uh, what's happened there? You know, I, I think there's some early excitement in Winnipeg. I think long term, maybe once they get their own new building built uh, in the southwest corner of Winnipeg, maybe things are are really going to start to happen there. I don't really have a firm sense of the Winnipeg hockey market. You always wonder in an NHL market, especially when there's an AHL team too, mm-hmm. you know, is it a Winnipeg Jets market or is it a hockey market? I guess we're going to see that pretty quickly. But I would hate to think that Winnipeg fans are missing out on this Winnipeg Ice team because they are a hoot. They have all kinds of offensive talent up front. They can fill the puck or fill the net with goals. Michael Tepley already seven points, four goals, five games. Nino Kinder, five games, three goals. They have a lot of really high-end players. Even Carson Lambos coming in his rookie season is a point-of-game player as a 16-year-old D-man, which is remarkable. Yeah, that's pretty impressive for sure. And, uh, and I guess obviously there'll be a lot of attention on Matthew Savoy. And he's uh, two games in, no points yet, but doesn't mean that he's necessarily played poorly. Have you had a chance to watch him? Yeah, I saw him in Brandon, and I saw him in Portage La Prairie in one of the preseason games, and he really is quite a player. Um, you probably got a chance to watch him in the Edmonton area. I had never seen him before. I just heard about him. Just the understanding of the game and the acceleration, uh, the speed, the vision, uh, you know, he seems to have it all. Now, I guess we'll... We'll see as the season develops how many games he's actually going to play. You know, there were reports that uh, I'd heard that he was going to play up to 50, uh, up to 30. Who knows? Uh, it's interesting that uh, a young player can can get that many games in the league. The last one I could think of is Kirby Dock, but his midget team was eliminated very, very early. So he ended up in Saskatoon. And even that, I mean, he played 18 games, right? I mean, that's a far cry from 30 or 40 or 45, 50 that they're talking about with Savoy. Are you hearing anything like uh, other other teams and how they've responded to this? I mean, this is kind of trailblazing almost for the WHL. It is, especially, you know, if that, uh, you know, special status that he was looking for wasn't granted by Hockey Canada. I don't know how this back door is working, mm-hmm. particularly. Um, it's going to be interesting. I'm hoping to talk to Ron Robinson here before too terribly long, and I'm going to ask him that question directly, like, you know, how does this happen? Yeah, yeah. well, we'll see. And uh, you mentioned, uh, go back a couple of minutes ago to what you are talking about with the market in Winnipeg and an NHL market now, and uh, with that AHL team there as well, lots of competition for the, the hockey uh, fans' uh, wallet. And I can tell you from here in Edmonton, it is definitely an NHL uh, town, I'm not sure if it's, it, I think it's that way in Calgary as well. I know the Flames are uh, pretty popular in the, the Hitmen. The Hitmen and the Oil Kings both draw a lot of fans in comparison to the rest of the uh, the WHL and heck the CHL for that matter, but you're still playing in front of seven or 8,000 uh, on a good night, uh, especially during the week. I mean, if you can get 7,000 on a, on a Wednesday in Edmonton to watch the Oil Kings, you're pretty happy with that. Um, that's not going to be an issue right now in Winnipeg because that building holds what about thirteen hundred, thirteen or sixteen or something with standing room. So yeah, they probably should sell you know the vast majority of their tickets early on when they, they move into more of a junior sized building later. Right, it's going to be interesting because you know beyond Winnipeg also having the Moose, the AHL club. You got the U of M Bisons playing U Sports. That's wonderful hockey. Yep. Um, you've got the MJHL team. You got three midget or sorry u18 boys teams 
two U18 girls teams at the AAA level. Uh, that's a lot of uh, competition for the hockey dollar. Goaltending for for both Brandon and for Winnipeg is there a bit of question marks uh, right now? Or I mean, I guess in Brandon for sure you know who the the starting goaltender is, but still somewhat of a question mark with Winnipeg, isn't there? I mean, they've it wasn't that long ago they had like five guys listed on the roster. They've had some guys come through there, haven't they? Yeah. In Winnipeg and in Kootenay the last couple seasons, uh, we saw Will Gursky here in the preseason. He was outstanding, I thought. Uh, Dean McNabb has looked very good since they picked him up from Regina. You know, I'm not sure what the long-term plan is yet. Uh, Duncan McGovern, who was kind of the guy of the future at one point, uh, was released, so he's no longer in the picture. And they got Gage Alexander, another goalie there, and uh, McNabb's played three of the five games, and Gursky and Alexander have each played one. So I, I don't really have a strong sense of what's going on here. Uh, in Brandon, uh, Yuri Patera... The, the import 20-year-old from the Czech Republic is the guy. There's yep. just no discussion around that. Um, and then you have some a couple of Alberta guys that were battling for the backup spot. Ethan Kruger was the backup last year. And then uh, Connor Unger from Calgary was uh, looking to maybe unseat him or maybe force a situation where they trade the older guy. But uh, he was sent back to the AJHL recently. So it's going to be Kruger and Patera, which was last year's two guys lastly that rivalry uh, between the uh, brandon and, and winnipeg well we saw it 21 seconds into uh, game one this year but uh, that should be a, a fun growing rivalry eh, between those two clubs and it looks like it's off, off to a pretty good start well you play two preseason games and then you have 10 regular season games too that's a lot uh, you know that's a dozen games between these clubs it's almost like the american teams how they play each other yeah. so much and you know what it started getting ugly pretty quick they started uh, really embracing that rivalry and you know what? It's probably real good for the province of Manitoba's hockey scene to have that second team. Uh, you know, uh, everybody drafts everywhere now, so it's not like the old days where Kelly McCrimmon got all the Brandon and Manitoba kids. <laughs> That's gone anyway. But uh, you've you got to think that with uh, Winnipeg here, they're going to be looking at the same Manitoba guys maybe for the later rounds that Brandon was in, in past years. Well, it's going to make for some fun hockey, that's for sure. Uh, Perry, as always, knocked it out of the park when you're on the show. I really appreciate you you making the time for the Pipeline Show. Look forward to uh, chatting again. Thanks a lot. That was Perry Bergson from the Brandon Sun on both the uh, Winnipeg Ice and those Brandon Wheat Kings. That wraps up this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. Uh, we can recap the uh, question of the day. Just the, the question, if you go back to the first segment of the show today, was uh, with the NCAA hockey season getting underway this weekend, can the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs, are they going to pull off the uh, ultra-rare three-peat as national champions? And uh, the no vote is still leading the way. About 75% have uh, predicted no that the Bulldogs will not get it done. You can uh, chime in on that. At TPS underscore Gee is where you follow me on Twitter. Thanks again to everybody who signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash show. Two bucks a month gets you early access to all these interviews that you've heard on this week's episode. Some other perks available as well, but uh, the two buck a month uh, option seems to be by far the most popular. We always look ahead to what's coming up next week on the show. I can tell you Seth Jarvis will be the player in the 2020 draft spotlight forward with the Portland Winterhawks. Uh, Outside of that, nothing concrete yet, but uh, with the rest of the NCAA schedule 
uh, starting up this weekend. We'll probably have one, maybe even two uh, conference previews uh, next week on the show. But we'll stay up to date on everything that's happening in uh, the Canadian Hockey League. We'll uh, maybe look at the USHL the, or the Alberta Junior Hockey League. And uh, we can recap all these uh, exhibition games between U Sports clubs and their NCAA counterparts. So lots we can talk about next week on the Pipeline Show. So hey, between now and then, why don't you get out and watch some junior or college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week here on the Pipeline Show. Until then, my name is Guy Flaming. See ya.